0: Before we begin today's story, here's a word from a fellow podcaster. Hiya! Hello! I'm Jen Beverelli. And I'm Mikey Beverelli. And we have a podcast called. Buried Buried Broadway! Broadway. On our podcast, Buried Broadway, we discover, dissect, and demystify forgotten Broadway musicals that we most likely found on vinyl for a dollar.
1: Those hidden Broadway gems like Wildcat starring Lucille Ball,
0: Flowers for Algernon starring the Phantom of the Opera himself, Michael Crawford,
1: and even a rockin' musical version of The War of the Worlds.
0: In our podcast,
1: Buried Broadway, we
0: go through biographies of key artists,
1: summarize the plot,
0: Play clips of the music.
1: Pick audition cuts. And
0: hopefully throw in a good joke or two along the way. You can find our podcast, Buried Broadway, wherever you listen to podcasts. It's probably on whatever you're listening to this podcast with, so just go subscribe right now so you don't forget.
1: And just to make sure you remember,
0: we'll sing it for you. Buried Broadway! My name is Talia Smith, and you're listening to Season 3 of Once Upon a Time, a storytelling podcast. There are stories all around. We tell stories every day. We consume books and movies, travel the digital landscape, and we talk to people. How could we connect without stories? I think it's impossible. This season, we explore all of what home can mean through sharing stories with a strong sense of place, love, family, or tradition. Join us for Once Upon a Time, a storytelling podcast, Season 3. This episode was recorded in New York and Maryland, and tells the mystical story of Magic Pasta. Enjoy! Enjoy! Ciao tutti! Welcome back to the podcast. I have a wonderful guest joining us on our podcast today juliana pika juliana is an actor and health coach living in brooklyn new york she loves cooking tiktok and astrology juliana loves words and storytelling so much so that she studied journalism and media studies and english literature during undergrad at rutgers university juliana subscribes to the belief that you can be a jack of all trades and a master of some juliana would like to be amy poehler when she grows up not like her Just literally her. She's also a Virgo queen divine. So welcome to the podcast, Juliana. We're so excited to have you. <laughs> Thank you so much. I am so excited to be here. When you texted me,
1: asking me to be on the podcast, first of all, I was already thrilled and elated. And then when you said, like, to do the Streg episode, I episode, I was honored. I was truly just so pumped. I really love this story. I'm so excited. I get to talk with you about it. And I think we're going to have a lot of fun. And I hope everybody listening at home or wherever you are is going to enjoy it just as much.
0: <laughs> Me too So we are talking about the story Of Strega Nona A classic for all little Italian American kids All over the country I can't wait to like dig into this story And like <laughs> analyze This children's book that it means so much To both of us I know. Yes, I'm I'm
1: so pumped. This is the first time that like I, you know, I've always people like, oh my nonna and nonno, and they're like, Oh, your grandma and grandpa. And I'm like, no, it's my nonna and nonno. And like I remember reading this book in class and being like, that's the thing. It's me. Well, like, it's not me. It's not it's a me, Mario, but you understand. I think it's a fun story. I think it's a gentle cautionary tale. I think it's it's got everything. Which is boys who don't know their place or when to follow directions. Towns in a flurry. <laughs> it's it's really, it's the bees knees. And, um... Yeah, it's it's really special to me because I guess it was the first time I felt like being Italian is cool. Like, I feel like, it, unfortunately, I'm like, oh, I hate this as the representation of it. But, like, when Jersey Shore came out, everyone wanted to be Italian, but, like, people didn't before that. And-
0: We're going to talk about growing up Italian-American. We're going to talk yes. about Italy. We're going to talk yes. about witches. We're going to talk pasta. But yes. first, we need to talk some fun facts about Strega Nonna.
1: Yes. Let's do it. First of all, I think we need to address the elephant in the room, which you and I spoke about privately offline. We don't know why Nonna is only spelled with one N. (gasps) I do. I do. I You do. Tell me. I need to know. I I need to know because I've always spelled it with two N's and that's what I was taught in school. So, like, please give me the update. What is the skinny? Okay
0: so for those who are not familiar with strega nonna or maybe aren't um italian or italian american strega nonna, the title of the story means grandmother witch except the blaring elephant in the room as juliana said is nona in this story is spelled with one n, but everyone in the know knows that nona is n-o-n-n-a that means grandmother in italian and it was always very frustrating that it is only spelled with one N in the book. Because it's like Americans can't even get like one thing right. Like what the heck. I do some research. Turns out Nonna is her name. N-O-N-A is, is the witch's name.
1: Oh my gosh, that makes sense, because later in the, no spoilies, but she does go to visit Strega Amelia, so like, you know what I mean? Oh my gosh, that's so funny. That's, that's kind of adorable, and I love it.
0: I think that counts as our first fun fact. I think that's our
1: first fun fact. (laughs) So
0: what is... Our second fun fact.
1: Okay, second fun fact. This story takes place in Calabria, um, which is an island, and my friend Michael is, uh, his family is from Calabria, and according to him, the ratio of uh, chickens to humans in Calabria is 10 chickens for every one human. I tried to research this further and I could not find that exact statistic. However, it was like, there's a lot of livestock here and not even as like farming livestock, just animals everywhere. And I was like, neat. Uh, my next fact. Okay. So uh, I did a little digging on the author. His name is Tommy uh, De Paolo. He's gay, um, and he didn't come out till later in his life because, and I quote, if it became known that you were gay, you'd have a big red G on your chest, and schools wouldn't buy your books anymore, which made me super sad. And Yeah, he, it's terrible. It's so sad, and he actually died March 30th, so like right when lockdown and all this stuff began. Also, he was a Virgo, <laughs> which I am. I am really passionate about being a Virgo. It's a Virgo thing. Virgos love being Virgos. It's kind of annoying. I apologize in advance.
0: <laughs> um, super tragic story, uh, life story of Tommy DePaolo. but uh, thanks for uh, the magic. Yes, thank you
1: for the magic. I-, I hope that he would appreciate what we're doing today. Another fun fact about this story is uh, there's a lot of magic in it, and it's not all wrong. I gotta say, it's pretty spot on. Uh, there's a little mention in the story that Stregononna can cure a headache with a bowl of water, some oil, and uh, I believe a, a pin, a needle. What did she say? A cork? It's a little bit. The reason I'm confused is because there's a couple ways that uh, lots of different uh, Italian witches or Stregas do this thing. But um, I think it's really neat that, like, that's pretty legit, and it's just in this children's book. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I'm I'm so excited because I think one of the reasons Cagnona resonates with so many of us um like this very specific demographic is because we can see ounces of the the, the narratives we are told about Italy in this in these stories. And I think that's important that Tommy DePaola was also an American. He wasn't Italian yes. and he was making up these stories because it it has a very Strong sense of this is an American writing about the Italian fantasy, and I think that's the reason why it is stuck so much into our imagination. Because when, like, you think of Italy as as an Italian American kid hearing your grandparents' stories, you you think grandma first of all, yes, always <laughs> think grandma, <laughs> uh, and then you also think of this like otherworldly medieval. Town, you think of pasta. Like there's this narrative of of Italy that isn't relevant today at all. Right. But it's what you <laughs> what you picture in your mind. Totally. No, a hundred percent. Like it's I think
1: when I read this story, because I, I understood my family was from Sicily when I was young, and I, I would say, I think I remember reading this pretty distinctly in the second grade, and honestly, like, I didn't, like, all this beautiful stuff, this imagery you're describing, I didn't have a picture in my mind, and I remember, like, people did cultural days at school or something, and everyone would be like, oh, like, you know, my family's Mexican-American, so I can come in with this and that and a sombrero and whatever, and like, for me being like, what's like, what's like a Italian fashion and style. I know my – well, the interesting thing too is my family is Sicilian. I'm – and I say I'm Italian and then I always say, well, I'm actually, I'm Sicilian because um, the dialect is super different. The, the food is super different. And I never knew what Sicily looked like. I knew there were a lot of sheep. But anyways, this is all to say that like when I when I read this book and when I saw the images, I was like, oh, like this is what I want. I like, I want the old country. You know what I mean? And I, yeah. I want to sweep things with a broom I made out of hay. And I want to <laughs> wear a little apron over my frock and I want a well. And I I don't know if any of this is adding up, but these are the things I felt when I read this story. And I was like, wow, like I, it was the first time I ever really wanted to be in the olden times that wasn't reading uh-huh. an American girl book. You know what I
0: mean? I absolutely know what you mean. I know you do. Like we're just on the same page about this and it's very exciting. Why are we talking about Strega today? In 2021, we're obviously... A little older than the target demographic of this book, mm-hmm. not that much, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but yes. a little bit. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, why the story now?
1: That's a great question. Um, something that just. Came to me in this very moment that we have not discussed is like I think it's important to as much as I think it is important to challenge the norms right because we can't grow unless we are just continually thinking and trying new things and if we were just to keep everything as it was. 50, like where would we be today? You know what I mean? Like where with all these yeah. things with with feminism, with uh, you know, like proper civil rights in America with representation of people of color on screen, with all this stuff, with like literal technology. If we were just like, you know, there was a period in time where when people first got TVs, they were afraid their TVs could see them too. So they like wouldn't they would like keep them in certain rooms or they would like always have clothes around them and stuff. And I also think though there is a lot to learn and to be uh said from listening to our elders or listening to not even necessarily our elders listening to those with credibility and qualifications and like not think we know better you know that that is part of what yeah. happens in this story that i think you're gonna see it folks and i think you're gonna dig it that's one of the reasons for it um one of the big things Absolutely. that i see is you got to be held accountable for your actions and i really believe that mm-hmm. and i think that that's relevant in a lot of places right now Whether you believe in magic or not, like that's not for me to tell you if that is or isn't true. That's for you to decide. But I think there is a lot of power in reclaiming your power. And, you know, witches, women really, were either wrongfully accused of being witches or were practicing witches and horrible things were done to them. And the reality of it is just that, you know, men are afraid of what they can't control. And when there's Mm -hmm. something that they don't know, that, That's frightening. Those are my feelings on why it's big now. What do you think? Anything else you want to add
0: to that? (laughs) I think you really nailed it. Without further ado, yes. Will you please begin our tale with my favorite phrase Once Upon a Time? Oh, I can't wait. Once
1: Upon a Time. In Calabria, Italy, we meet our strega nonna. She is our grandma witch. She is a queen. She helps everybody in her little village with everything, whether there's physical ailments, spiritual ailments, emotional. She is a bad bleep. You know, she helps women find husbands. She can cure a headache with a bowl of water and some olive oil and a couple of things. She's she's really the tops. Everyone appreciates her. Everyone loves her. It's very clear that she's the matriarch of her community, and she serves it really well. But she's getting older. And she's getting smaller and weaker and it's getting harder for her to do the things around her town and helping everybody the way she can because she's just getting so frail. So she puts up a notice in town like, hey. Help, or I'm you know I need someone to help me. I'm too teeny tiny. Do do my heavy lifting, like basically be my himbo. Be
0: kind. <laughs> that was so funny.
1: Okay. Be kind. Come over. Be big, strong. Nothing in the brain. All I really need is lift things up, put them down. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's what's up. So she puts up this help wanted sign, basically. And then we meet Big Anthony. Big Anthony is, is our himbo in the situation.
0: And that is the most Italian-American name um, that could have been chosen. Oh, yeah. You're going to go with Big Anthony? That's hysterical.
1: That literally <laughs> sounds like, like uh, this is uh, Tony Tushus uh, from the left over here. <laughs> On my right, we got uh, Giovanni Gumba. And to my left, we got Polly <laughs> Prosciutto. We <We're> like <laughs> And that's Big Anthony. Don't ask why they call him Big Anthony. You don't wanna know. But I dig it because it, it clearly gives we got little teeny tiny streganona and Big Anthony. There's a reason we're hiring him, okay? He's got a skill. Yeah. He's large and he's he's definitely not in charge, but he's large,
0: and that's what counts. And like a great Himbo, he has a major flaw. What is his what is his flaw? His major flaw is that uh, he does not follow
1: instructions.
0: Gosh, darn it.
1: Gosh, <laughs> darn it. I, I won't say Big Anthony mansplains anything, but that is the vibe of maybe what is to come next in this story. Pray tell more. Yes. Okay. So, Big Anthony says, Hey, Striganonna, um, I would like to help you. Uh, what is this going to entail? And she says, great. So, here's what you're going to have to do. I'm going to need you to sweep, wash some dishes, feed my animals. And if you do all that, I'm going to give you three coins and a place to sleep, like food and whatever. So every week, that's his pay. And he's like, great, that sounds legit to me. It's honestly, it's very much like what a character does in like d and I'm in two D&D campaigns currently. <laughs> that's something new I've begun during quarantine. And like a good salary uh-huh. is five gold per week. And then they give you like a bed. So honestly, like it, for like, kind of being like an intern, Himbo lifter, I think he's getting a fair Wage, Uh, he's getting a lot provided for Him.
0: He's not only getting room and Board, he's getting a salary Which is way more than An intern makes. Precisely
1: (laughs) So like, Pat's on the back to him and To Stregananna for, you know Catering to everybody and Fairly compensating those who work For her, so he's like Great, this sounds like a great plan Uh, And she only has one rule It is, do not touch My pasta pot
0: Fair enough.
1: Yeah, fair enough. So Stregunanna has this magical pasta pot. And uh, Big Anthony learns about it because in the middle of the night, he... She's trying sings sing to her pasta pot uh, this song, and then all this pasta comes out, and she makes this beautiful, right? And she also sings a song to turn it off, and he's like, oh, cool. So if I sing a song, I can make the pasta, and if I sing this other song, I can turn the pasta off. So hypothetically, I can have pasta whenever I want if I know these things. However... Big Anthony never sees Steganona blow three kisses at the end of her song. This will be important later. Save that, kids. Okay, so <laughs> Big Anthony goes to town and tells everyone about Struganana's pasta pot. And they're all like, yeah, yeah, Anthony, sure. And I guess they're going to tell me next that like one day we'll have tiny computers in our pocket and I'll know what a computer means. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like nobody believes him. Right. (laughs) So he's like, no, it really is true. And he's like, oh man, like everyone just thinks I'm really silly now. But in his eyes, there's a chance for him to redeem himself. So Struganana says to him one day, big Anthony – I am going to visit my friend Shrega Amelia. Uh, I'm going to need you to take care of everything you already take care of. Maybe plus some extra things per my previous email. Do not touch (laughs) my pasta pot. (laughs) 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 Don't touch it. Okay. And he's like, okay. But he like must've had his fingers crossed or something because it was not all Gucci gang and it was not all. Okay. So on the leaves, and Big Anthony's like, great, now is my chance to redeem myself. So, great, I'm just going to sing this song, uh, and then I'll have pasta for everybody, and then I'll turn it off. They'll all know Strega Nonna will never see or know a thing. It'll be perfect. So, Big Anthony sings this song. It's like, the pasta pot, make me pasta, nice and hot. Please don't quote me on this. So, he sings the song he <laughs> makes a bunch of pasta, and he tells everybody in town. He's like, everybody, pasta at it's like when your parents go out of town i never did this and i know you didn't either because we're good at two shoes and True. our moms make fun of us all the time about it but it's like when you're like True. it's like the teen movie where it's like oh jimmy's parents are going out of town party at his place he's got a hot tub that's exactly what's happening here to the teen. except like,
0: it's all go to <laughs> unlimited pasta which to be fair, is the kind, if we were to, if we were high schoolers throwing a party, we would throw an unlimited pasta party while our parents were away. Ex- that's it. That's pasta. exactly
1: correct. It is also the equivalent of like post your high school musical going to an olive garden for endless pasta and breadsticks. <laughs> <laughs> Chaos everywhere. And whether they believe him or not, they all go to Straganonas, and they're like, "Whoa, pasta. And they're like, oh my gosh, Big Anthony, thank you so much. Alrighty, well, f- we're full of pasta now, no more pasta. And he's like, cool, cool, I got this. And he sings the like off song, what I like to call the pasta, pasta, pasta pot song, which just, you know, pasta's enough stop, right? So it's just the, mm-hmm. oh, well done, peace out. But the pasta pot keeps going it's still making pasta. It's just a flowing out of this pot. And he's like, mm, let me give it like one more try. And so he does it again. He sings this little song and nothing happens. And he's like, oh crap. And everyone's like, what do you do, Big Anthony? And he's like, I don't know. Oh, I really, I love the art of this book. I love that the author is an illustrator and you see all these mm-hmm. images of like pasta flooding the streets and like carrying people away and all this stuff. What are we going to do? And then, of course, Strega Nonna to save the day. She comes back. She sings her song, she blows her three kisses It's all done And everyone's like, yay, Dragonona Just continuing to completely slay us And improve our lives We love you And Big Anthony's (laughs) like, thanks so much, Dragonona I'm sorry And she's like, it's okay, Big Anthony But, you know, you made this big mess So now you've gotta clean it all up And she hands him a fork And she's like, "All right, buddy (laughs) She's like and basically, you know, Big Anthony's got to eat the town clean, and so he does. And, you know, they all live happily ever after. The
0: end. The end. My favorite part of that book is that before he has to eat all the pasta, one of the townsmen um, suggests killing him as punishment. Oh, my gosh. And yes, then, I forgot this. And then Strike and Nona's like, nah, man. You got to chill. You got to chill. He just has to eat all of the pasta that has flooded the entirety of the town so I can sleep in my bed tonight. Like punishment has to fit the crime. Yes.
1: (laughs) Very again. She's a very fair lady. Fairly compensated, like either as a as a plus or as a minus. Right. Getting paid fair or getting punished fair. She's that's such an important point. Thank you so much for bringing that up. That is the story. Any questions,
0: kids? How are we feeling? What's going on? Well, I have some questions. Yes, let's so, do it. In a little bit, I want to talk more about witches in Italy because I think that is possibly the most interesting thing ever. Mm-hmm. But before we get into that and before I like go on my <laughs> witches rant, <laughs> what do you think the impact and relevance of Strega Nonna is? Here's why this story resonates with
1: me. And here's what I really want other people to take out of it. I don't think anyone has to be pigeonholed into being one thing, right? So if you're a teacher and you also happen to love making art, That's part of your identity, too. Or if you are a computer scientist and you really enjoy knitting or doing stand-up, that's part of your identity, too. And Streganona, you know, she is the Streganona. She is the grandma witch. She's the matriarch of this village. But she does a little bit of everything. You know, she takes care of people physically, spiritually, emotionally. She's got friends, other places. She goes out. And I think this is really relevant now because we are in a global panoramic um, a global panini, or better fitting, a global delle pasta. And I know a lot of- As the of, youth say. As the youth say. And I think a lot of people at this moment in time feel that whatever they are, they aren't. For example, I am an actor. A lot of my friends are performers. And because- there is not, there's not stages. There's not places to do theater openly. And sure, there's other kinds of things you can do, but a lot of people feel stuck. And like, is this my identity? Who am I? I was working in marketing when I first graduated from college. I really didn't like it. They let me go from the job, which was the biggest blessing that ever happened. And then I was working in Disney, just living my life, loving, going around the Magic Kingdom, helping people find the Haunted Mansion, giving people stickers for their birthdays, planning engagements. I was living the dream. And it came back <laughs> to America. I know that technically... Disney is in America, but also Florida is not America. And if you've been to Florida, you know, it's different anyway. So (laughs) I came back to America, which is New Jersey for me. And I was like, I just love engaging with people so much. So I think I want to be a teacher. And then the global panini hit and I was like, Oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. And I had this passion, like always personally for health and wellness. And I ended up going to uh, school again, um, to become a certified health coach. And like, that's what I do now. And I was thinking about this a lot recently, like, I'm a health coach, am I any less an actor? Am I any less, you know, a person who ha- like could be a social media manager of these things? And It's like, no, like, these are all part of my identity. And I think a lot of people one feel they've lost their identity when they can't do the thing they want to do. That's part mm-hmm. one. And two, I think a lot of people stay in maybe careers or jobs or situations they don't like because they're, they're afraid of what's next or because they think that's what they have to do. Like it's very okay and normal to switch careers and totally encouraged if you're not loving what you do. And I feel like strega nonna really not just because she's a witch, but I think she really caters to everyone. She has, she has these abilities and talents, and she's like, why would I just do one thing? You know what I mean? Like, she could just be, I mean, like, the strega medicine woman, kind of, right? And just heal people's ailments, but she also helps ladies find husbands. You know what I mean? Any of the versions of these things you decide to take on, that's fine as long as it is an authentic yes to you, and it is something that you care about, it makes you feel good, and it's a decision you are making yourself. Beautifully put. Thank you so much. That's really important to me and something I've been learning now that I'm almost a quarter of a century old and just trying to stick with. To quote the great William Shakespeare, and by William Shakespeare, I don't mean William Shakespeare. I mean Hannah Montana. Life's what you make it.
0: You know what's funny with that particular quote? This is a bit of a tangent, but No, we like that. Let's do it. When I was in high school, I was in the theater department. I think everyone who (laughs) listens could probably connect those dots. And before our final show ever, before my final show ever as a senior in high school we did this power circle where all the seniors were supposed to give a speech and i read the lyrics to life's what you make it so let's make it rock and that's all i said and everyone else was like crying and giving these emotional speeches and i'm like as hannah montana said life's what you make it i love you so much another thing I, I want to say is like you mentioned a lot about your health journey. And I think that's a really relevant thing to Strega Nana because it is so much about health and wellness, her, her identity as a witch, mm-hmm. that is a big part of it. And that's a big part of Italian witches. And another thing I think about is my mom and her cousins and her, her friends, you know, that's something that they, they take really seriously is how to heal the body through food and through wellness. Yes. And I think that's one of those beautiful things that, I wouldn't note as that is an Italian American thing to do, because I don't think it is specific. Because it's not to an it. Italian American
1: thing to do necessarily.
0: Right. Yeah. But I think it's something that obviously has a familial root to it. It's obviously so rooted in something. Yes. And I think learning more about Italian witches and Italy and wellness in that explains a lot. And um Absolutely. I think it's really
1: I like to say that I believe that um Food is love, and as a health coach, I want to teach everybody how to love themselves in the way that's best and makes the most sense for them. Food, uh, One food can be a medicine for someone, one food can be a poison for someone, and food is a huge pillar of Italian culture, you know, and my nonna and nonno grew up eating like very much classic Mediterranean diet. They ate whatever was available. They were poor. They didn't have a ton of meat and animal products available to them. They did have fish products available to them. They ate whatever came their way. They ate a lot of fruit. They ate a lot of vegetables. And it's for that reason that my nonno is like in his – seven. or actually is he 80 now? Oh, gosh. Late 70s or 80s and – he doesn't take a single medication, which is unheard of for like adult. Like my cousin, Danielle, who is one, not my real cousin, but that's what makes it really Italian. Fun fact for everybody at home. (laughs) Italians have cousins who are not their cousins. I recently spoke with her about some health and wellness stuff. And she said to me, oh, well, you know, family health history problems, like not great. You know, that like Italian diet. And I was like, Actually, I don't know because I think some of the stuff you're referring to is like more heavy in the Italian-American diet, which is something that was created because there were a bunch of immigrants from one place coming to a new place who knew what yeah. they knew about their culture and tried to make as many pieces of it as they could here. I think it's also kind of about balance and there's that. That's there's so much. There's really honestly so much to gather, not to follow to the T, not we're wrong, but there really is so much to gather from like OG lifestyle, like things that are ancient. I can't say I'm super into because I know very little, but I really appreciate practices like Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine, because there is a lot of that kind of stuff there where they're like, this is a thing that's worked. This is a thing we've known for a really long time. And like, you yeah. know, a lot of times science is like, well, we just don't know. We haven't tested this enough. Like it's not backed. And like, that makes sense. Like let's, you know, science is important. Let's use it. But also like, I wish that there was like a little bit more interest in research and in science to look at some of these things, but like, you know, they don't make a ton of medicine. Like they don't make a ton of money off these medicines. It's kind of just ideas, and like that's harder to get research stuff for. Just like I just want to test this idea, unless you're like a physicist, maybe. But right. that's also practical for. That's neither here nor there.
0: Anyways, I got a little sidetracked. <laughs> no, no, I I think that's a really valid point. And another thing I want to mention is when you think of the Italian diet, you think of pasta. And it's, as I said before, this is the American fantasy Italy, stragonona Yes. And you just think of mountains and mountains of pasta. And I took this wonderful. Class um, in college where we talked about the history of food and history of food cultures. And we learned, as we probably already know, that most of what we call Italian food is actually Italian American food. Yeah. But why that is and why, you know, the Italian-American diet is seemed as maybe less healthy compared to an actual Italian diet. Like there's reasons, there is there are historical reasons, and I could. I could go off, but I'll just instead link notes in the in the show notes. Yes, no, please. Food is not random. Um,
1: and the way that diets, uh, a, a culture's diet, not literal like diets, like Jenny Craig, you know, but a way that a culture's diet is developed is based off of cu- cultural and historical context. It's not random. It's it's not just this is tasty. It's it's about what's available. It's a, it could have like religious implications. It, there's like a hundred and ten things. Now I think we have to get into these witches. Yes,
0: let's talk about the witches. So one of my cousins, Ray, uh, who I love so much, went to Italy the other summer, and she went to these beautiful historical places to learn more about the witches in Italy. And so I texted her today when I was doing some research about this, and I got a lot of really awesome information about some of these witch towns that are really relevant and kind of prove... The Stregunov theory, I don't know if that's a theory, but whatever. So the first town I want to mention is called, I think you pronounce it like Triora. So this town is in northern Italy. It's close to San Romo and Monaco, the country Monaco. And this is sort of like the Salem, Massachusetts of Italy. Oh, I love that. Yeah, and it's like the same time period too, like in the 1580s. Um, well, I guess the Salem which trials were later, but, you know, the same kind of vibe.
1: Yeah, it's a vibe of persecuting women. It's, you know, it's what's in season.
0: Yeah, exactly. And so this was a result of a famine in 1587. And um, people thought that these witches or these these women uh, caused the famine. And so in all, about 29 women were accused and one boy. The youngest was uh, like 13 years old. Oh, that's really tragic. Yeah, it is. And you see similar parallels in Salem, you see parallels in Scotland, which um, has similar traditions to Italy, believe it or not. Um, but these witches, I use air quotes, came from nobility and influential families, as well as the peasant class. Nobody was safe. Nobody was safe. Wow. No, I think that's interesting for a ver- various reasons. But four women were burned at the stake. Uh, other women were tortured. But when I asked my cousin about it, she said this. My understanding is that in the north, in the northern Italy, women had a little bit more freedom. And they didn't necessarily have to be married to be accepted. Some got formal education, etc. So when this inquisition of witches came, they became the prime suspects. Which gotcha. um, makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it does.
1: Because men historically want someone to blame and women
0: is convenient, honestly. And even when you think of the term like spinster, a spinster was a young woman who had a trade. They were spinners. They spun the... the, I never knew that. Yeah. So you think of these spinsters were these witches, but really they were a young woman who provided for themselves. Another town, which has really hit me close to home. Um, Juliana, your family is from Sicily. Um, my family is from Sicily, but also from southern Italy. Um, oh, cool. in Campania, specifically from a town called Alta Vila. Um And when I asked my cousin about witches, she said that the town known for witches in the south is Benevento. And Alcivila, where our family is from. No way! You got some witch blood. <laughs> I know. I, and I feel it. And I Googled, um, she told me to Google this thing called the walnut tree at Benevento. And she mentioned that some of the researchers who she spoke to think that that walnut tree was in Alta Vila, where my family's from. So I Googled the walnut tree. And Juliana... You're going to love this walnut tree. Are you ready? I'm so excited. I love walnuts. They make my tongue, tongue feel a little funny, but I'm a big fan. Go on. Tell me about the tree. Okay. <laughs> so tradition says that the walnut tree in Benevento is where witches came together from across Europe and where Romans went to practice their pagan rituals to the um, Egyptian goddess Isis. So the Egyptian goddess Isis, uh, and I am going to be referring to her as the Egyptian goddess Isis for for obvious reasons. Um, She was the lady of stars, of the heaven, of the earth, and of the underground. So she was a very spiritual goddess. And the tree itself was part of a lot of different pagan traditions. And when Christianity took over, the legend sort of developed that witches and wizards were casting evil spells and dancing under the trees. Um, there are a lot of medieval testimonials. Even St. Francis got involved, healing somebody who became paralyzed after falling asleep under, the, under a walnut tree. Oh, my. But the tree itself was uprooted in the 7th century. So oh. it... it It became less of this specific tree and more of mystical walnut trees. Got you. But legend says that the the very specific tree, the Benevento tree, reappears on nights of the witch's Sabbath. (gasps) That's really cool. Isn't that cool? So thank you, Ray, for sharing that with me. But I also, when I was reading all this information, I got chills because my Italian identity has always been really important to me. I always knew I was half Italian, my mom's Italian. And then doing a DNA test, we actually found out that my dad is significantly Italian too. And we never we <gasps> never knew that before. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. When I was little, I used to say my mom's Italian, but my dad wants to be Italian. And I found out my dad's Italian. It was really exciting for us. But why this story particularly hit me is because our family business—I'm not going to say what it's called—but um, it has the word walnut in it, and the fact that this is about a walnut tree and walnuts, this the, the word uh, you know, me, means a lot to me. It Has a very close home connection, yeah. and you know, spirituality is really big in my family as well, in various degrees. So I, I, I got—I literally chills up, up my entire body. That is really cool. And
1: I, I personally see, believe, and look for signs and things. Um, I think that is one. My grandmother, when she passed, we were all very upset. This is not my Italian grandmother. This is not my nonna. This is my American grandmother, who also has Italian heritage. When she passed... She she was like, "I'm gonna give you a sign." and we were like, "All right, we're waiting for the sign." and we ended up going to this restaurant for the repast meal, like after the funeral and all that jazz and directly across the street from us, there was a dance store called Shall we Dance and what was what was huge for us, she loved the king and I. We would watch the king and I with her oh. all the time. We actually Buried her with a copy of the king and I Because she wanted to be buried with her Dogs and her copy of the king and I yeah so I saw that and I was like oh Mimi like that was the best sign you could have possibly Given me you know like I like that's Like what are the odds you know what I mean Like just what I don't know but Yeah so I I don't think that's an accident I I think that You feel finding peace and comfort in that I think That's on purpose and I think that's a sign I always say that like whether magic is real or not like if it makes You feel better and you're not harming anybody Or yourself while doing
0: it like go for it. Yeah, I I agree. And that kind of reminds me of a story I want to share. But before I share that with some context, I want to talk about Sicilian witches. Yes. Um, because you're Sicilian, I'm a little Sicilian. Um, and Sicilian witches played a very different role in society. They were considered to be more like fairies. And during that witch hunt era, uh, the people of Sicily didn't really see it. How their witches were doing anything wrong? It was they were so embedded in the culture of Sicily um, that they didn't really have like a big witch, you know, hunt or anything like that. They're like, no, like these women. This is what their job is. Like they're pillars of our society. Yes. And I, I have this very unique thing, and I think it's because of the way I look. People come up to me and ask me where I'm from a lot.
1: Interesting. And they always guess.
0: Yeah. And I find it interesting. And sometimes they guess, like, spot on. Um, like, one time somebody guessed, like, the town in Italy my family was from. What? Um, which was... That's another story. But these things happen to me. But I was at my university. I went to Drew University in New Jersey. And it is considered to be a very haunted campus. If you listen to our Haunted True episode, you would know that. So we had a medium come on to the campus and you know say what you want whatever if you believe in mediums or not I think they're fun no matter what and she was looking at me and she was like you're Sicilian and I was like yeah I guess technically I've got some Sicilian blood in me sure and she was like no I can tell I'm Sicilian you are Sicilian and she was like telling me these like weird things and I was like that's so cool I don't know if it's an easy assumption to make just by my physical appearance but it was very special and um so, and I'm Sicilian from my mom's, my grandma. Um, shout out to grandma, our biggest fan. Uh, Hi, she's grandma. Sicilian, <laughs> and uh, my dad's mom has Sicilian blood as well that we just learned about. So, that's so cool! So that's so cool! That's awesome. But you, have, you have a Sicilian witch story, I do,
1: yeah. So, um my my family, my my youngest sister is very into witchcraft, has been researching for a while and is like kind of beginning a sort of practice thing. That's another thing. Small caveat, we're talking a lot about witchcraft. If you want to begin exploring witchcraft, like Mazatov, great for you. Like very cool. Do a ton of research before you begin doing anything. Minimum one year research. Three, I think, is a great number, seriously, because best case scenario, it's not real. It's all fake and nothing happens. Worst case scenario is that it's all real and you're not prepared for what you're actually doing or the repercussions of it. So please, if you're – this is a warning. If you're going to start looking into witchcraft, really look into it before you start doing it. Thank you. Um, Uh, Agreed. Agreed, yes. But my my mother and my sisters and I, we are – very powerful manifestors. And we didn't know this until we learned the word for manifestation. I think manifestation is really big right now and everybody's very into it. Uh, but we manifested, we've manifested a lot of things throughout our lives. I can't tell you how many times I've had a paper due and I've been like, I just wish it was due like one day later or later this week. And then I get an email from a professor like, oh, I'm not gonna be able to make it to class. So like, it'll, you know, we'll just do it next week or like this. And I'm like, yes, thank you. So my nonna and nonno are very anti witchcraft. In fact, personally. And my nonna's like, no, we don't do this thing because I'll ask her about the evil lie. She thinks it's all fake. She's not scared of it. She's just like, psh. she's a Taurus. I don't know if anyone knows anything about astrology, but Taurus are very practical, very grounded, very like believe what they can see kind of people. And my nonna's just like, ah, it's kind of all made up. My nonna, on the other hand, is an Aquarius, which is kind of a weirdo sort of sign. They're a little bit different. They're a little bit unique, very creative, very social justice oriented. And like kind of directly after, I must've been like, 12 or 13 when I had this conversation, but I remember it vividly. And so my nonna was like, oh no, I don't believe in these things because I asked them about it because I had just learned what malocchio was. And I was almost certain that my, (laughs) that one of my teachers had tried giving me malocchio intentionally or not. Like if you've got bad vibes, you can give people bad, like it's, it's very possible to unintentionally hex somebody because you just have such negative energy building up and it manifests. But Mm -hmm. I asked my nonna about this. And he was telling me basically that there was like a witch woman in his village or in his town and like she would help a lot of people. And at one point, like, someone figured it out and she was, like, going to get in trouble for it. I know not what reasons. I don't think it was explicitly, like, she's a witch. Let's get her. I think that maybe she was being held responsible for something that maybe she did or didn't commit. I don't know. And my nonno says that when they found her body, she was mummified in her house. And I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know if that's a story he heard as a kid. But when you brought up um, the walnut tree and the Egyptian goddess Isis, I was – I was very intrigued and I was wondering if you had any idea, I do not, how the Egyptian goddess Isis, I guess, well, I guess Egypt is pretty close to
0: Sicily <laughs> and to Italy yeah. in the south.
1: So I guess that's how tradition travels. I'm not sure, but I really want to learn more about that.
0: Yeah, I, I, I mean, my cousin Ray is like really knows all about this stuff. <laughs> but from what I understand from like history and I don't know as much about this era of history as others, but especially in Italy. I mean, Italy wasn't even a country until the 1860s, right? Blows so my mind. Of, yeah. So you think about all these different cultures and these different kingdoms with their own sense of traditions. You go to different places, and especially southern Italy, and you get a mix of Greek and Roman and all these different cultures and ideas and yeah
1: it shows in the language because the dialects are so strong like so different between all of them that's i think that's kind of the the point is that
0: there's a egypt and ancient greece and ancient rome ancient egypt they you know we think of them being in a very specific place at a very specific time but in fact like they were all kind of their 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 purpose was world domination in a sense. And so, you know, it's not surprising that we see relics of their cultures throughout the rest of Europe, specifically Italy and Greece. Uh, Also, you know, England um, a bit. You can see relics of ancient Rome and England. So it's something that's kind of foreign to us as Americans because we just sort of like to pillage and murder. And especially with these witch traditions, you think – another thing i think about is i got excited about this stuff cuz you know my dad even though we just learned to use italian i grew up thinking he was english and scottish and welsh and so you know i've i've studied a lot about those cultures and their witchcraft cultures because what's amazing about the world to me is how similar it is no matter where you are what part of the world there are certain universal truths and There's a universal truth of powerful spiritual women throughout pretty much every culture in the entire world. And that's magical in and of itself.
1: I love that. And it's so true. But something else I'd like to add to the uh, witchcraft group, if that's cool with you. Of
0: course,
1: of course. (laughs) Okay, neat. So this is something I knew a little bit about before. But in terms of magical tradition in Italy, there's sort of these three branches. There's... um, uh, Stregoneria, uh, Benedicaria, and Diarrhea. No, I'm kidding. I'm sorry. <laughs> then there's straight up Stregoria. So, Stregoneria, Benedicaria, and Stregoria. What do what those things mean? I will explain. So, Stregoria, to my understanding, is the old magic. It is traditional OG witchcraft. It has some uh, neo pagan. Beginnings. It's it's not like quite as pagan as like maybe some Celtic traditions or things might be considered, but it's got hmm. that little early neo-pagan thing to it. It's it's literally called like the old religion. And then you have stregoneria, which is, I, you know, I'm just saying gonorrhea, stregoneria I'll <laughs> say it like that so it doesn't sound like I'm yes. just shouting gonorrhea in this podcast, <laughs> um, which is a little bit more of like that. So it's like kind of part of what we just discussed, but there is the Catholic element to it. There's saints, there is some of the same rituals or kinds of things done. There's a little bit of both. And then there's benedicaria, which is Italian folk Catholic magic. It is completely in line with the teachings of the Catholic Church. There is no pagan pieces to it. Although Benedictaria is not part of actual mass or something like that or part of the ceremony of Catholicism, I think it's a really interesting thing that essentially magic or what we might consider witchcraft is being used as a tool for this belief system that is inherently catholic and and not witchcrafter or or magical so to speak depending on who you speak to of course
0: right (laughs) we spoke a lot about why this story is special to, to both of us we talk a lot about how we can connect it to our own lives our theme for this season is stories that are close to home and i hope that if you've been listening you can really tell why the story is close to home for us. So before we say goodbye and we wrap up, I want to ask you what is one short story from when you were younger that made you feel like, oh yes, I'm an Italian American or a story that somebody has said. Oh man. Oh, I can go first. I go. have a good one. Yes, 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 go. Okay. I'm so ready. This is a this is a family favorite. Okay. Uh, so I'm from rural Maryland and there's not a lot of flavor where I live. Um, um in fact, even with the global Panini, with my sunglasses on, my mask on, people recognize me in my town because I have big dark curly hair. So it oh, gives wow. you a Yes. Yeah gives you a, of where I live. When I was in kindergarten, I was very in tune to the fact that I was Italian, I, I just knew it about myself, and I loved it, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And even though my last name is like Smith, uh, everything else about me is not uh, does not scream uh, Smith, uh, just oh, for based sure on my physical yes. appearance. Yes. The first thing is when I was in kindergarten, they're asking about what different languages people speak. And I said, well, people can speak Italian and they can speak plain. And by plain, <gasps> I meant English.
1: <laughs> That's incredible.
0: <laughs> um, because I knew you either spoke like me or you spoke Italian. <laughs> and then my fa- the family favorite is my kindergarten teacher was married to an italian man and i went up to her and i was like "Miss bonnie Miss bonnie i can speak italian she's like oh really italian what can you say you know my husband's italian like maybe i could say something cool to oh no <laughs> i put my fingers together like in the stereotypical way and i said and i quote a the ball. No. <laughs> I mean, yes. I mean, yes. That's my grandpa's oh my favorite story of me.
1: <laughs> I love that so much because I was going to jokingly say, Chef boyardi, which is what I often say when people are like, oh, you're Italian, you speak Italian. And just to like mess with them, I say that. Um, okay, I have book stories because my f- parents and my family really fed me the Mediterranean diet and just let me try everything. I didn't know there was kids food. Like... When I went to places, whether it was restaurants or like, you know, the reception after a communion or a baptism, they'd be like, and what would you like? The chicken fingers? I'd be like no, the Bucatini looks pretty good or like, the, you know what I mean? Like I really knew food and I love food because of it. And I really, I accredit my, my love for food starting there. And then my, um my more Italian American grandmother who just let me cook whatever I wanted, she'd be like, what do you want to make for dinner? I'd be like, hmm, like, at, like the age of five, I remember like one time saying to her, I'm like, I really want to have pasta with butter, a classic child's meal. I was of like, course. What, what if we added salt and pepper and lemon juice and like extra virgin olive oil? And she, she was just like, yeah, and she just let me do whatever I wanted. So part of part of my proudness of being Italian is the fact that I've always had I've always had a very exquisite palate, um, and I've always <laughs> known what I was talking about when it comes to food.
0: <laughs> so. <sighs> It's time to say arrivederci,
1: Juliana. Arrivederci. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. I had an absolute ball, and I hope I didn't talk your ear off too much. No, just
0: enough. Oh. Um, before we go, though, yes. I. we always want to give our guests the opportunity to plug themselves in any way possible. So please, how can people get in contact with your projects learn more about what you do uh, any of that go for it absolutely thank you so much Um, so yes if you want to get in touch with me
1: if you either want to follow some of the silly acting things I do or you want photos of my dog or you are interested in more health and wellness information, either specific to the pandemic, uh, female hormone health, which is something I do. I help menstruating people regulate their cycles and I help people manage things like endometriosis and PCOS from a holistic approach. I'm someone who kind of works in conjunction with your healthcare practitioners to find routines and things that really benefit you and help you. Um, or if you're someone with bowel issues or you've been having them since the pandemic or you need help managing stress, I share a lot of information on how to do that. And I also coach people explicitly on how to do that if you want to know more about that you can follow my instagram account as well as my tiktok account at j p i c a d e g a l l o which is at j pica de gallo i really love pico de gallo salsa so much but i made it pica de gallo because that is my last name you can follow me there that account is equal parts um uh, fun friend stuff, doggy stuff, psych information, lots of stuff on how to set boundaries and stuff. We talked about the relevance of uh, Strega information there and I think boundaries is, is part of the story too. She set one, it wasn't followed, there was consequences. Um, as well as female hormone health specific things. If you're if you're interested, if you want to see that also um, if you ever are like I don't know, it's a pandemic and my body is different and I, I feel odd or I feel unwell and that kind of thing. One is Oh, obviously, of course, always go to your healthcare providers, check in with your doctors, guys, make sure it's not something bigger going on there. But um, especially because the pandemic and I really want to access everybody as easily as possible. What I do now is I I just give out um, a complete session. That's just a full hour with me. It is completely free. I just want people to be able to touch base with where they are with their bodies and know what's going on, because I think it's so important physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, any of the any of the ease you can add into there. Uh, If you want to know more, you can follow me there.
0: Before we, before I sign off, I just want to first thank Juliana again, but then also say we're going to put a lot of great resources in our show notes, as we do for every episode. So please don't forget to go to our show notes. I've got stuff about Italian witches. I got stuff about stregonona. I got stuff about food. I got stuff about a lot of different stuff. So don't forget to check that out. Um, also, don't forget to follow the show. Information will be in our credits and. Uh, I think that's it. I'm so excited to see what the rest of this season holds. I'm very grateful I got to be a part of it. And yes. Whoa. <laughs> Go straight yeah. and onna. Go straight Arrivederci. Arrivederci. Once Upon a Time, a storytelling podcast was produced by Talia Smith and Emily Joba. You can buy us a coffee to support this podcast at buymeacoffee.com slash onceuponatimepc. Our guest today was Juliana Pica. And our story was Strega Nona. Our featured artist this week was Elizabeth A. Graham. You can check out her work on our Instagram and in our show notes. Music is Heart of Acceptance by John Bartman. Our Instagram is at a storytelling podcast, and our email is a storytellingpodcast at gmail.com. Like us on Facebook too. You can listen in on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Links to all of our resources are in our show notes and on the website. The end.